Well, what brought me to be here in Ireland? And I'm thrilled. We're thrilled. And it's, you've got a beautiful, beautiful country. And, uh, and I'm thankful for it. And it's a tremendous lesson to us. And it's our second time in 20 years. And uh, I don't want to have to wait. Man, if I have to wait another 20 years to get here, I'm going to be coming like this. <laughs> Oh well, my goodness, but uh, what a blessing to be here. The Light Betters have been a blessing to us uh, for many, many years, okay? And uh, we, uh, I just, I don't know what to say. I mean, uh, you, I don't know if you realize what kind of a couple that you have here, but I've visited uh, numerous missionaries. And you have something special, okay? And I don't mean special. I mean, <laughs> I mean special, okay? I mean uh, they're unique. They are. They are. They are top shelf, okay? Both for Craig and Sister Me, top shelf all the way. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And uh, again, we've seen we've seen some missionaries, and, and uh, these folks are just primo. So we love them, amen? And uh, well, we've given you our testimony and we've uh, sung some songs for you. Excuse me, I hope those songs have been a blessing. And, and now I want to get into the Word of God. Yeah. And so I'm going to ask you to turn to uh, Luke chapter 6. There's a compa the companion story to this is found in Mark chapter 3. And uh, you'll be able to follow along with me. You have your finger in both places. And uh, in Mark chapter 3, this passage begins in, in verse 1, but in Luke chapter 6, it begins in verse 6, okay? And uh, while you're turning there, I'll give you a little background. Jesus has been, uh, he's been locking the horns with the religious crowd. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the, uh, the priests, and, and, uh, and uh, they're, they're having fits with him. Uh, he made a lame man walk, and he had the nerve to tell this paralyzed man that his sins were forgiven. Yep. And those that religious guy walked, you know, he can't do that. It's like, well, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven, or is it easier to say take up your bed and walk? But we don't want to walk like this. So take up your bed and walk. But God knew what he did. And that man knew what he did, and the four fellows that brought him knew what he did. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, he did that. Then they, uh, then on the Sabbath day, uh, they were out there picking corn, okay? I'm not going to go into that whole corn wheat thing, okay? I'll let your pastor deal with that one, okay? Uh, but they're out picking corn uh, in the field on the Sabbath day. The nerve, the noise. And, uh, and they're, they're hungry. And so they're out there and they're picking, and the Pharisees just went after them again. Don't you, don't your disciples know this is a Sabbath day? And so I'm saying Jesus is locking horns with this crowd, this religious crowd. And in Luke chapter 6, uh, he's about to lock horns again. And so in verse 6 of Luke chapter 6, and, and, and let me just say this. This uh, this is toward the beginning 
of Jesus' ministry. He has not even chosen his disciples yet. He, he doesn't choose his disciples until after this passage, this episode, if you will. So this is a very, very beginning. He's already got multitudes that are following him. All right? He is unique. When somebody is raising uh, uh, paralyzed people, casting out demons, healing the sick, making the blind to see, uh, people are noticing that he's attracting multitudes of those Pharisees can't stay. They've got a critical spirit. I hope you don't have a critical spirit mm -hmm. uh, this evening. Amen? Yeah. Amen. But in Luke chapter 6 and in verse 6, the Bible says this. The Bible says, And it came to pass also on another Sabbath, uh-oh, we're in trouble, that he entered into the synagogue and taught, and there was a man whose right hand was withered. Right hand was withered. Uh, I don't know, maybe, and I hope there's nobody here in that situation, because I'm certainly not trying to mock anyone. But his hand was all, his hand was all curled up. And it, it's all cramped up and deformed, and he can't use it. Right? He can't use it. And his right hand was with it. With that, let's go to the Lord uh, in prayer. Father, I'm grateful to be able to be here with your people this evening in this place, uh, in this town, this county, Lord, in this country. And Father, I'm asking that you would search each and every heart this evening. And Lord, I'm, a, I'm simply a man. And Lord, the only message that I have is not my message. It's your message. And so Father, I'm asking that as I stand here as a vessel and speak forth to these fine folks, that the Spirit of God would search each and every heart and make the connections that no man could ever even dream of making. Only God can make that contact inside a man or a woman or a young person's heart. And Lord, I'm asking you to do that this evening for your children. And if there be any here that don't know you uh, as a personal Savior, that tonight would be the night that they call out and ask for forgiveness and begin to experience the love of Christ. So Father, I'm asking these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So it came to pass on another Sabbath, we entered into the synagogue and, and talked. We could talk about faithfulness, couldn't we? And uh, I mean, when the, uh, when the Sabbath was there, Jesus was in the synagogue. And, uh, and by the way, uh, we don't have, uh, you know, as Christians, uh, we have a local church. And I believe that on Sundays, and I, I praise the Lord for you folks here tonight. Because I believe that that's exactly where you ought to be. Yeah. And uh, showing yourself faithful, God works through a local church. I'm not saying that he does not work outside the local church, but I do know that he works through the local church. And over and over in the scripture, he's saying, hear, that he that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Right? And so I'm saying that God speaks to a church in a special way that he may not speak to just an individual. And if you're here, you may hear something from God that if you live next door and you were a member of this church, you'd miss it. And I believe that. So he's there, and he's uh, he's there in the synagogue. The preacher, how long am I supposed to go tonight? I'll be done. <laughs> 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 
half hour. Okay, we're gonna have to get bolder. So whether it's uh, whether it's from birth, whether uh, whether it's a disease, whether it's some horrible accident, you may have. Uh, you know, we have uh, fire equipment nowadays that they didn't have back then, but but still, there could have been something falling on him, and and uh, uh, we don't know what happened, but we can we can uh, pretty much be assured he was unable to take care. He was unable to care for himself. His, his hand, his right hand is with him. As it was mentioned this morning, I believe most folks are right-handed. I'm not knocking anybody that's left-handed, and uh, that's fine. But uh, most folks are right-handed. This man, uh, his right hand was uh, weathered, uh, withered, and he's obviously in need. Maybe he's there and he needs alms. Maybe he needs bread. Maybe he needs something. And then Jesus enters into the synagogue and is about to change his life. In verse 7 there, the scribes and the Pharisees watched him. They know what Jesus does on the Sabbath. They're watching him. They're watching him. Well, I'm telling you, like those cops were watching us yesterday. <laughs> you roll up there, there's three of them standing there, and they're all looking out of the corner of their eye, just like that. And they were looking at those inspection stickers, <laughs> registration stickers, and whatever else you got out there, the whatnot. Right? Just like the uh, corrections officer in the prison. Just waiting for some, waiting for one of those inmates to walk past the gate to see if he's going to pull. They're watching Jesus. Amen. They're looking for an accusation. They watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath. You think he's going to heal on the Sabbath? <laughs> Do you think he'll actually heal? Do you think he will heal people all of us sitting right here in the front row? Right. What do you think he's going to do? But if he does, we're going to, we're going to do something about it. Right? That's what they're doing. See if he'd heal on the Sabbath day that they might find an accusation against him. But listen, they acknowledge that he's able to heal. Yeah. They know he's able to They just don't know how he does it. But, beyond, but because he does it, he does it wrong. He doesn't do it according to our rules. Yeah. And so I'm saying their view is so skewed that they've already predetermined it. Whatever he's got, whatever he does, it's going to be wrong. And they're going to fight him every step of the way. And Jesus is a threat to their position. He's a threat to their authority. Amen. He's a threat to their way of life. And, and, and their, their whole life revolves around looking spiritual and telling others, uh, you know, you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to do this and don't do that over there. And, and uh, later on in his uh, ministry, Jesus called these folks blind guides, blinded sepulchers. They're blind to the simple truth that Jesus uh, what, that Jesus can preach and he demonstrates and that he's got powers to heal the most broken person. Miraculous acts of kindness. Again, deliver people from demonic influence and heal people from their diseases and and uh, they can't match. They can't. These Pharisees can't even come close. Can you imagine having a physical, mental condition that kept you from leading a normal life? Maybe there are some people who can't get at all. But some kind of condition that keeps you from being like everybody else. That's this man. Jesus is healing people like that. He's restoring their health. He's restoring their tormented minds like we just sang. Amen? And uh, he's setting their lives in order again. And he's, or maybe he's giving them order in their life for the very first time. First time. We have a fellow over at Old Time Baptist Church who says, I have to be in church 
when the church doors are open. It's I, I need the sanity yeah. of a church service. Yeah. I need the sanity of God's people singing the songs, and the sanity of the preaching uh, of, of the Word of God and what the Spirit of God does to me. It helps me stay sane. Yeah. The Pharisees can't stand in making somebody whole again. And it doesn't matter uh, what good he does. It doesn't make any difference how he does it. It's wrong as far as they're concerned. And uh, so they're watching him to see what he's going to do. And in verse 8 there in Luke, it says he knew their thoughts, right? You realize there's people here tonight, well, I don't know, but I hope there's nobody like this in tonight that have a critical spirit. Just waiting for the preacher to, he knows I don't like that song. <laughs> he knows the timing doesn't go that way. He knows I can't hear that, stand to hear that one announcement over and over and over. Right? I'm saying uh, he knows their thoughts, okay? Uh, and these fellows, they have, uh, they have a critical spirit. They're looking for error. And, uh, and Jesus comes in looking to minister because that's what he does. He ministers. I hope when you come to church, you come with the right attitude. I help and a blessing with you. We're Christians. That means we're patterning our life after Christ. And Christ comes in and heals. Christ said, uh, upon this rock I will build my church. And we have too many people today that just come to church and don't seek to build a church. Yeah. We need to have some builders, Amen. ministers. So he knew their thoughts, and, he, and, uh, and by the way, he knows your thoughts as well. And he knows your reasons for the things you do, and he knows your reasons for the things that you don't do. And he said to the man which had the withered hand, he said, rise up and stand forth in the midst. He says, I want you to come right down here. Right down here. Now, I'm not calling you folks Pharisees. But you're sitting in the front row. So for sake of illustration, okay, you're the ones with the fancy clothes and the little, the, the wacky hats and the things back there and the little bands around your head. And everyone knows you're righteous and holy. And you have power and authority over all those Now, if this were the temple in Jerusalem, you wouldn't find that with that man with a withered hand. He would not be in the temple. Right? right? He couldn't even, he would, because that's that's considered a form of sin. There's, that's a, considered a form of judgment on, on, on his life. And uh, so he can't, uh, he can't even enter the temple. But we're not in Jerusalem. We're in a synagogue, another city. So in my mind, I imagine him sitting in the back because it's as close as you could be to out the door. And if he were in the temple, he wouldn't be able to be there. So he just comes in humbly, just sits in the back like this. But Jesus saw him and he walked through. And now Jesus is standing there in front. And he says, stand forth and uh, stand forth and stand in the midst. I want you right down here, right in front of God and everybody, right here. Mm -hmm. And then it's fine. Because these guys are wondering what I'm going to do. So I don't want there to be any doubt. Mm -hmm. Right? And so I'm saying uh, the physical issue there, it's an outward manifestation of an inward uh, spiritual problem. Uh, Jesus is always willing. He's always able to, uh, to address our need. And by the way, Jesus isn't repulsed with this man. 
And with his deformity, Jesus isn't repulsive with whatever you're deformed Whatever you're ashamed of. Whatever keeps you from living a normal life. He's, he's not ashamed of you. He loves you. And he wants to heal you. Amen? He's not repulsed by you. Nothing in your life is so debilitating that God is unable to use it for his glory. Amen? To show his strength to our weakness. And uh, I'm trying to hustle here, preacher, but uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 says, For my strength is made perfect in weakness, okay? And my weakness is just a reminder of just how much I need God. I need God. Thanks be to God, uh, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Amen? The Pharisees are watching him out of the corner of their eye. And Jesus hasn't broken the law. The truth is, while they're watching him, he's watching them. And he watches those with that critical spirit, okay? And again, they don't know how he does it. They don't understand the source. And it's just their thinking process is so twisted that it's unthinkable that, that there's a man that can have his life restored. And they're concerned about it happening on the long day. Isn't that something? Yeah. Talk about straining at a gnat, swallowing a camel, right? So Jesus tells the man, he says, rise up and stand forth. And again, uh, Dr. Luke here is a little bit more precise in describing the, uh, the picture than, uh, than Mark is, okay? And, and those uh, Pharisees have a preeminence in the synagogue. And, and uh, as I mentioned, uh, uh, this man wouldn't even be allowed, uh, allowed in the temple of Jerusalem. So uh, he has this man come right down in the front, front and center, stand forth. Right here in front of God. We're not going to hide anything, okay? And the Pharisees have got to be seething. They are absolutely appalled that he's going to bring this man forward on the Sabbath. Sabbath. And so then in verse 9, then said Jesus unto them, I'll ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or do evil? To save life or to destroy it? And he hasn't forgotten the confrontation from the previous week with that coin. Amen. And I'm saying uh, they're thinking that he hasn't learned his lesson. We haven't, we haven't confronted him enough. And here he is confronting us. Before we even have the opportunity to, to confront him. You know? And I'm telling you, if they could have killed him right there in the spot they've done. Mm -hmm. In fact, if you take a look at, uh, at, at, at the uh, account that Mark gives us, that when this whole this whole uh, episode is over, that's exactly what they did. They, they, they went out and saw how they might uh, take it. Where am I at? I'm saying that Jesus is returning our anger with with anger of his own. And, and over there in the book of Mark, in chapter 3 and verse 5, uh, same scenario here. Uh, the Bible says that when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts. Jesus is angry. Yeah. Right? Is it okay to be angry? That's okay to be angry. Be angry and sin not. Right? Let not the sun go down on your wrath. If you're angry about something, Take care of business. Do what. Do the right thing. Go to the individual that you're angry with. 
set an appointment if they're not available, but so that you can rest your head and say, I've done what I could to uh, uh, to quell this, uh, this issue in my life. But in spite of all the negativity that's going on in the room, in spite of all the anger and the resentment and the hatred, Jesus has compassion on one that wanted uh, his touch the most, and he said, touch the most, and he says, stretch forth thy hand. I can only imagine the embarrassment of that man. That might, I mean, I'm not trying to be funny. Okay? I'm not trying to be funny now. But I never learned how to do a cutlery. I can't, I never learned. I mean, kids, everybody I knew who was doing cutleries, I, I could never do a cutlery. My feet would come off this far off the ground, you know, like that. Cartwheel. And if your preacher right now said, Brother Jim, I need you to do three cartwheels right now. I couldn't do it. All right. There are things in my life I cannot do. There's things in my life that are impossible for me to do. There are things in my life that I am debilitated. I'm debilitated because I cannot, I cannot do them. I don't do them. And this man is standing there right now in front of everybody. Withered hand. Unable to care for himself. His clothes probably weren't the cleanest. And Jesus says, stretch forth thy hand. And the man, I just imagine him hanging his head. Wanting to crawl under a rock. So if he asked me to pick up a sword or something, I could, I could pick up a sword and maybe I could try to fight with my left hand. Maybe I could try to Make make a piece of bread, make a loaf of bread or something with my left hand. Maybe I could maybe I could do something like that. But there's one thing in the world that I cannot do. I cannot stretch forth my hand. I can't do that. One thing Jesus asked me to do was the one thing that he was not able to do. Are you getting the message, son? It's deformed. Nevertheless, by faith, in front of everybody, you just decide I will I'll, I'll obey this action. And I will do what is impossible. I will do what I have never done. And I will stretch forth my hand because he said to it. And the man opens up his hand. Right there in front of everybody. And his hand is made whole like under the other writers. It's amazing. Stretch forth thy hand. What a lesson. Let me ask you a question. Where are you with me tonight? Where are you with me? Fear? Insecurity? My wife will tell you, the first time I was asked to give a testimony, oh my goodness. I mean, I was, uh, I, 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 I thought I was going to die. I didn't know what to say. I had no idea how to string thoughts together. I watched ladies in the church stand. We went away to a, 
to a conference. And the preacher said, now when we get back, I want, I want everybody that went on there, I want you all to give a testimony. Do you remember? And I, and I was like, I was like this. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I don't communicate. I can't do that. We, uh, when we started singing songs, for the, I mean, still, I have to keep my face glued to the page because if I look up, I'll completely lose it and I, I can't do it. I have to keep my face there. I can't communicate. And I can't sing a song. But God said, stretch forth your hands. And I learned. When I got called into the ministry, I remember looking at my preacher with tears in my eyes and saying, Preacher, I don't understand it. Uh, I know that God has called me to a ministry. I'm not, I'm not certain of the ministry, but I, I know that he wants me full time to serve him, but I can't preach. I can't. I don't know. I still don't know. Mm -hmm. But the idea, uh, what I'm saying is I was, I was fearful inside. I'm a shy individual. It doesn't appear that way. It doesn't appear that way at all. But I'm a very shy and an introverted individual. Insecure. Fearful. And I'm saying maybe that has you with it. It had me with it. Maybe, maybe you, uh, maybe you have that, uh, that issue of anger. Maybe you have that issue of guilt. Maybe you are withered with, uh, with shame. And perhaps you're withered with bitterness uh, of, uh, of events that took place in your life. Uh, maybe, you're, uh, maybe you're the subject and recipient of physical abuse or mental abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse. And you've been holding it in and it's kept you withered all your life. I'm saying, listen to what the Spirit of God says, because the Spirit of God may be pointing to you in a certain area of your life and be saying, stretch forth by hand. What you saying? I'm saying he'll give you strength if you're willing to stretch. He'll give you courage if you're willing to obey. He'll give you strength uh, to overcome the guilt of your past, okay? Uh, he'll, he'll give you the strength to overcome the thinking that maybe he doesn't love you when he does love you. That he won't forgive you in spite of all the things that you've done. Are you with him? Stand forth and stretch forth by faith, trust Jesus Christ. By faith, obey his words in spite of your affliction. It's your affliction. There are no temptation taking you. That's very personal. That's your affliction. But such as is common to man, other people are going through what you want. Isn't that good? God is thorough when he writes his book. Amen? I'm saying be willing to stand before whoever is around you and by faith overcome that spiritual handicap. Open yourself up. The Bible says confess, confess your faults one to another. And if you're handicapped in a certain area of your life, say, listen, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm spiritually withered in this area. And I cannot get the victory over this. I need help. 
the embodiment of Jesus Christ, the church, can help. Amen. Overcome your fears, your doubts, your insecurities, your anxieties. Overcome your depression that has you withered into the background of, uh, of the life that's around you. Amen. Overcome laziness. Maybe you're like the Pharisees and, and you've got a, a, a critical spirit, and uh, but you know that the Lord is willing to use you. The Lord wants to use you, but this critical spirit is keeping you from serving God. I'm saying that God is real and the Spirit of God is working in hearts about being more involved in the Lord's work. Last point is over in Mark. Right after this, it's in chapter 3 and verse 13. Now we've done in just a couple minutes. Mark chapter 3, verse 13. Now I want you to be thinking about standing forth and be willing to stretch forth by faith and obedience. Stretch forth. With those two thoughts in mind, in Mark chapter 3, verse 13, uh, he's out, he's gone from the synagogue. The man's hand is 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 uh, healed, and he goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would, and they came unto him, and he ordained twelve that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach. With those words, that he might send them forth to preach. And the simple truth is that before you could be sent forth, uh, you need to you need to spend time with Jesus. Uh, if you're going to affect the lives of others. But I love the progression here. Uh, the, the progression here in chapter 3 of Mark is the same progression uh, 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 in Luke, although Luke leaves off this this uh, this portion of the passage, I believe, or at least the, the statement. But we're not told what the man's name was that had the withered hand. No. What was his name? Thomas? Yeah. Andrew? Peter? John? Nobody knows what his name was. And there's nothing to say based on what we've been told so far that that man with the withered hand didn't follow with the whole hand now, didn't follow Jesus up that mountain. And when he was looking for people uh, to call for apostles, it's like, you know, I want to. Entirely possible that he became one of the one of the apostles. And the pattern here is a tremendous pattern that I hope you'll remember for the rest of your life. That the man with the withered hand was told to stand forth. First, you have to be willing to stand up for Jesus and come forward and not be ashamed. Not be ashamed of your affliction. And then by faith, you need to work on whatever has you spiritually withered or possibly physically, I don't know, but uh, spiritually withered and be willing to trust God uh, to, uh, to allow you to overcome that spiritual handicap. Amen? Stretch forth. Stand forth. Rise up and come forward in the front of those around you. Stretch forth and watch what Jesus can do with your life. If you'll simply, by faith, extend yourself uh, beyond your capabilities, can I tell you something? I just, I just popped into my head. You know how I really learned how to read? I was a terrible reader. I'm still a terrible reader. 
I learned how to read by having family devotions with kids. Mm. And I had to be able to, we take turns around the table and I'd stumble and bumble and fumble trying to, uh, trying to read the scriptures, but you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And it becomes second nature. And now I can read and talk like, I know I'm looking at the page, but sometimes, I mean, I've listened to people try to talk and read at the same time, and you can tell that they're talking and reading. Isn't that a picture of every believer? Right? I'm saying uh, uh, stand for and then be willing to stretch for it by faith and obey him, and then be willing to be set for it. Okay? Accept the challenge of spending time with Jesus in order to be sent to a lost and dying world. And that's a picture of every believer. And I'm saying, uh, 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 what uh, uh, what would the lives of those men have been like, those men that went up uh, the mountain with him, if he would have said, I want I want you to be one of my disciples, it's like, oh, no, I, I don't know that I can handle something like that. What kind of a life would they have returned to? What a disappointment that would have been. And unfortunately, we see that incomplete pattern more than we'd like to. And, and many stall out somewhere between the stand forth and stretch forth. They don't make it to the stretch forth. When they're told to stretch forth, they won't. I can't overcome this. I can't do this. This is the one thing in my life I cannot do. Why are you asking me to do the one thing I can't do? I can't do that. I can't overcome that. I could never possibly do that in front of people. I could never possibly teach a Sunday school class. I wouldn't know what to say. I could never possibly go door to door and actually knock on a door and <laughs> what would I say? Do it a couple hundred times. Stretch forth your hand and the Lord might just lose your tongue. I'm saying, uh, I'm saying we see that incomplete pattern and and, uh, and and we stall out somewhere between the stand forth and the stretch forth. I've, I've got so many illustrations here. I'll give you one illustration. I had I had a woman in my church. She'd been seeing the psychiatrist for 15 years. He initially, uh, she was suffering from depression. She was hearing voices. The doctor put her on a medication. It didn't work, but he left her on the medication and put another put on put her on another medication to counteract the first medication, and then he put her on a third medication, and a fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, had her on eleven psychotropic drugs. Wow, eleven. Got another woman. Uh, she was on so many drugs when she went in to talk to the doctor about it that. that uh, that she was falling because of all the drugs. You know what they did? Did they take her off the drugs? They gave her a walker. Am I serious? They gave her a walker. Oh, you, well, we got to have so many drugs you fall down on the That is sad. That's how the world thinks. Yeah. I sat down and I talked with this woman. I said, you realize that the one uh, drug that they're giving you is like like you sitting in an automobile and, and uh, they they give you that one thing to, so that your foot goes down the gas pump to get you going a little bit better. And then you went in and say you're having trouble sleeping, so they uh, so they give you something to uh, uh, to counteract that, and now you got one foot on the brake. And then they then you went back and said that wasn't working, so they gave you another one for the gas pump, and then another one for the brake, and another one for the gas, and another one. And I said, you're burning up inside. 
And you don't know it. And that's what's going on. And meanwhile, the doctor is telling her how much better she's doing since she's been involved in church. I said to her, would you consider going to your doctor and ask, because I have no idea. I'm not telling you to get off your drugs. I'm not telling you. Because I have no idea what they are. But would you consider asking me to begin weaning you off a little by little? Because you're still hearing voices. The drugs are not working. I said, what is the limit? Is 15 the limit? 20 the limit? What's the limit? You know what she did? She left the church. She placed more confidence in the doctor to put her on the things that weren't working. And the doctor was telling her that what she was doing in our church was working. Does that make sense to you? Stand for it. Be willing to stretch forth. She wasn't willing to go that far. Stretch. Would have been a stretch. Some will stretch, but then they'll never go any further with Jesus Christ. And I've got folks in my church, I've got, I got a fellow in my church that says, I'm doing things now that I've never done before. And he's got a long way to go, but it's like he, he's in his 60s. I've been coming here, I've gone, I've gone to these universities and they left me, I've taken these religious courses, they left me with more questions and answers. I come here, you give me a clear, concise answer out of the Bible, and you've got me doing things that I've never even dreamed of. I have a woman in her 70s that said that last year, she said, I've served God more in the last year than I've been here, than I have in the last 20 years in those other churches. I've wasted all those years. I'm saying be willing to be sent for. Be willing. And I'm certain uh, that there's things uh, that, uh, that this church needs, okay? Uh, listen, the world's an insane asylum, okay? Nobody gets out of here alive. And we're being run by the inmates. I'm saying if you've got an opportunity to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord, then do it. And be willing to be sent for it. Well, I just can't do that. Stretch for it, amen? Have, let me ask you this. Have you stood for it yet? Maybe there's someone here that's never stood up and said, I need Jesus. Do you need Jesus to see you? He's willing. He's willing to work with you. He loves you and he wants to save you. And if that's you tonight, tonight would be a good night to let somebody take a Bible and show you how you can look the shoe you got on there. And if you have already stood forth, uh, but you're still debilitated with some spiritual, uh, uh, some spiritual handicap, maybe tonight's the night that you need to just lay that at the altar and say, Lord, where are you speaking to my heart? Where is the area in my life? I don't have to make the words in my life, but you do. And the Spirit of God does. I want you to let the Spirit of God talk to you. And then let the Spirit of God lead you and listen to your pastor as you are sent forth into a lost and dying world. Amen. Let's all stand and uh, we'll have a word of prayer. Let's Father, I'm grateful for this evening. Uh, dear God, as we sing a song of invitation, Lord, I pray that you work on the hearts of the individuals here, of each and every one. And Lord, uh, point out to each and every one what you have, uh, what you have of them. And Father, I pray that they be willing 
and to obey and to have the faith to respond. And Father, I'm asking these things in Jesus' name. Amen.